Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey guys, this is Carly. Just as a reminder, we're on a break this week. So that means we are releasing an episode from our Patreon about the documentary, A Courtship. We'll be back with more Sister Wives next week. Enjoy. Surviving Sister Wives contains adult content that may not be suitable for Latter-day Saints or sinners. Listener discretion is advised. Hello and welcome to Surviving Sister Wives. I'm Corey. And I'm Carly. And this is Let's Talk About It. We're talking about a courtship. A courtship. Just one of them. (laughs) We're talking about the 2015 documentary Following Kelly, a virgin. Is she a virgin though? Did we outright state that in the doc? This description says that she's a virgin at 33. I don't remember that being stated. I don't remember anybody saying that explicitly. No. Well, that's what this description claims. She believes God and her parents will find her a husband. Plot twist, though. These aren't her parents. (laughs) But when her parents disagree, Kelly finds another family. Oh, okay. Here we go. Maybe Maybe I'll let you read the whole thing before I jump in. (laughs) We have a lot of feelings. Try to judge this more. But yeah, like she didn't go through a courtship with whatever. All right. Read the whole thing. Yes. So, but when her parents disagree, Kelly finds another family to become her spiritual guide and help her in the quest to find a man. Yeah. More on the Jiminy Cricket side of things where it's like, let your conscience be your guide. (laughs) I don't really need another weird family living in rural Michigan to be my spiritual guide. I don't think. My mouth was agape the entire time we watched this documentary, the entire hour and 11 minutes. I hated it. I hated every moment of it. I hated every person in it. <laughs> I, would he- I would hear audible gasps <laughs> at various points when I knew I would need to pause, and it was like, don't get too wrapped up in these notes. It's going to be a lot of this. 
We're just getting started. We're there, just getting warmed up. There was so much that was so egregious to me. <laughs> I can't believe how much I typed, actually. My notes are pretty long. Oh, boy. Yeah, there's a lot to go over. So we'll jump right into it. And before we jump in, want to thank you all for your patience. I know it took a little extra time for us to get this episode out. We had a series of unfortunate events, very busy at work, very taken by surprise that it was a two-hour finale of Sister Wives sprung on us at the last moment. Thanks for hanging in there with us and go ahead and fire up Amazon Prime, pop on a courtship, get caught up, and then get ready to dive in right here, right off the bat with us. So we jump right in and we meet Ron Wright and his family who believes that secular dating is not just inappropriate or unfortunate or not successful. It's harmful. So instead, he and his family practice Christian courtship, and they spend their free time spreading the word about its successes to other people. Do they have any successes? There are no documented successes in this system yet. (laughs) Haven't seen it. As we will find out, uh, (laughs) I'd like a case study, Ron. Could you present me one before I walk down this path with you? I didn't see it on the website. Before I send my daughter to live at your home, can you maybe give me something? Yeah, it's a weird qualifying factor for him. But yeah, so we do get to learn that they are training their daughter to be a wife. Career is second. Wife is first. Why would I go to college? My only desire is to be a helpmate to my future husband. She's looking for the assist. She ain't selfish. Not knocking it. That was the older daughter, right? That was Savannah. That's her name. Yeah, so she's a real gem. And then in the same scene, we have some woman who starts rambling about how she's seen women living on their own who are just out of balance. That's not a normal life to live. You need a husband. You need to have children to look after. Need some stability in our lives. This is when we meet Kelly. And is her last name Bogus? Or is it Bogus? (laughs) Or They never pronounced it. We're going to go with Bogus. I'm going to say Bogus. (laughs) So it's Kelly Bogus, and she's 33 years old, and she's still single. I don't know how, right? She doesn't know how. <laughs> I think Kelly's supposed to be the protagonist, but I- I'm not really sure that I feel that way. I think the label I would give her is victim. <laughs> I think she's the victim of this documentary. Oh, man. This is such a problematic documentary. Poor Kelly has been really taken for a ride by this family. Ron is a real snake oil salesman. Don't you feel it? Well, he's got to sell something. <laughs> he's got... I like how you described him where when we were talking about it after we had initially watched it and just the big vibes, distinct oh, yeah. vibes that he throws off as it, just as a person. Real big Ron Jeremy vibes mixed with a little Danny DeVito in Matilda. That's what I'm getting. Yeah, that's pretty accurate. <laughs> I didn't like... He has like kind of like rat tooth thing going on with the two front fangs. I didn't like that. Made me a little uncomfortable to file those down. So back to Kelly. She looks like every average white young Christian girl out there. She's got blonde hair, blue eyes, the ideal look, you know, very Aryan. Okay. (laughs) Uh, I didn't know. Again, Carly has weird requirements just like Ron has weird requirements. I'm learning a lot. So this is where, okay, did you see how they tried to slip this in? Introducing us to Kelly Bogus. She's 33 years old and single. She has been a devout Christian 
since college. Yes, we have a Kim Plath origin story here. You know that they had to be very specific about when she began her devout Christian life and it was halfway through college. I would love to hear about the first half of college if we're going to talk about it. Okay, I kept thinking that we were going to get to that part of the story. I was waiting for those juicy details. They never come because, of course, they're not going to tell us about her life of sin. But I'm pretty sure Kelly spent some time kicking back a few too many wine coolers. Some Mike's Hard Lemonades. In a freshman dorm. Maybe she fooled around a little bit with a guy down the hall. Oh, she was giving it away. As they say, oh, yeah. And then she woke up one morning and she thought, damn, I got to get my life together. Yeah, she didn't even pass out at a party or anything. It was just her blood sugar spiked <laughs> so high that she just zonked out. In a... <laughs> From all the mics hard. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> it wasn't even an alcohol pass out situation. It was just blood sugar, borderline diabetes. It was a problem. But it turns out she met the rights because she was babysitting for him. And she'd been praying for years for some spiritual parents to provide her with a courtship. My notes just say, of course, she teaches interpretive dance to Christian contemporary music. That's checking two things off Carly's creepy list. <laughs> Carly doesn't like children singing in Children unison. singing, never right. There is never an appropriate moment for that. Christmas choir concert? It's still a little creepy. I think time and a place. If you were just walking through the woods and you heard a bunch of children singing in unison. Yeah, that's oh, a little yeah, That's odd. pretty bad. That's bad. That seems but odd. But yeah, interpretive dance to Christian R&B, which is what it seemed to be. <laughs> is a, there such a genre? It's a pretty generous description there. Uh, I don't think R&B, I don't think I would lump it in there with Marvin Gaye from that soul classics. So the deal now is that I guess Ron and Dawn, his wife, are her pseudo-Christian parents or something. That's what they've agreed to. She's going to live in their house, and they are going to filter all interested suitors through Ron. Yeah, and this isn't a new setup. This broad moved in seven fucking years ago. Right. That's how long she's been here. So, wait. So, they said she was 33. So, when she was 26. I don't know that that math jives with what I saw on their Facebook page, but we'll get to that. So the basic setup here that we have is that Ron screens potential mates on mandates, I guess you could call them. <laughs> so like, does this fulfill something for Ron in a way where he gets to go out on little dates with dudes? I kind of think he was a little too enthusiastic about it. I think it might be scratching an itch for him here. He gets a kick out of this. Yeah, there's some very important questions that he has to ask. You listen to Glenn Beck? Are you comfortable with a gay elder in the church who's not practicing? What about Obama and his approach to Israel? What do you think about that? Just kind of the, the top items that you would ask someone in getting to know them. Do you think the South will rise again? Okay, speaking of, my notes just say nine minutes and 15 seconds, little girl in a straw hat, <laughs> wearing overalls and a picnic table shirt while playing with a toy horse. Why? That is how they are keeping their youngest daughter. What was her name? Anika? Something like that. Yeah, Anika, Aunt Anika. Ana something. Yeah, something like that. That is how they are keeping her. 
away from all the boys. Yeah, I like how they don't shop for guys. They just live their normal life like the weird overall kid playing with dolls in the kitchen. <laughs> and they let God handle the rest. It's not going so well. There have been a limited number of suitors who've come their way, including the man who we got to see Ron interviewing in the opening sequence where... Dating. You can call it dating. <laughs> he looked like he was a few months away from collecting his uh, first social security check. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was an old dude. That's what Kelly's looking for, though. She's looking for a daddy. Take care of her? Yeah. So she's stuck living in this circle of hell until she gets married. That's the agreement. That's their commitment to Kelly. (laughs) We won't let you move out until you get married. She's doing shit like dusting books. It looks like a library, by the way, in there. They have a lot of goddamn books. She is feeding chickens. I thought I was watching 90 Day Fiance for a minute. Yeah. And it's unfortunate because no one she's ever been interested in has been interested in her. What was very off-putting for me in this scenario was there was a sort of regression taking place here. Obviously, when you move into a family's house and you're saying, you will be my spiritual parents for this dating process, she kind of reverted back to teenage mentality and like responsibility level almost. Because even just when she was climbing into bed, there was one shot where it was just like a 16-year-old girl's bedroom. Oh, yeah. I have theories about this. This it, like, When we meet her parents. It's so weird. Yep. No, Kelly has regressed to a time earlier in life when things are much simpler and easier to understand. And she's shutting down. She's just handing all of, all of this relationship stress, all of these issues, the complexities and social norms of dating. She's leaving that up to Ron. Ron knows how to date these dudes better than she can. Who knows better than Ron? Yeah, come on. And then I like, because then we get another little vibe here too, because then Dawn chimes in, the mom, if she were a single guy in her 30s, she'd marry Kelly right now. (laughs) That was a weird comment too. Like, well. There's very weird vibes coming off of these parents. It gets worse, because now we go back to a conversation with one of their children. Ron and Dawn's children, not right. So we have Savannah, and she has a courtship binder here. It's kind of a vision board, if you will, for her future wedding, which she has documented in crayon drawings. And we've got her dream wedding. It's a Civil War-themed celebration, complete with her husband and all of the groomsmen in Confederate uniforms. The gray drab. That'll photograph real well. So if you weren't ready to shut it off yet, this is the moment in which you will definitely know these are not good people and you will cancel your Amazon Prime membership. (laughs) Yeah, we're just flipping through these little weird diaries of these dream weddings and the engagements. And it's all a system that's built by the family because purity, purity is instilled in their girls. Ron describes it as it's integrated since they were little. No, you've ingrained it (laughs) since they were little. Integration is something you're not a fan of since you're rooting for the Confederacy still. (laughs) Clearly. Oh, God. Yeah, so they are saving their first kiss for their wedding day because they have to be good to their husband all of the days of their life, even before they meet him. And then we get a scary story here. This is a spooky, I don't know what 
section you got this children's book out of. Is it a children's book? (laughs) In case you were wondering what's wrong with Kelly, why is she so soiled? Why does no man want her? It's because she gave her first kiss away already, which she cries about because this is just about the worst thing in the world. Yeah, because as Mama Dawn is reading through this terrifying first kiss story about princesses and kisses and commoners, common folk, basically saving it up, right? Because that's the whole goal here. But yeah, Kelly has to cry, shed a tear for that lost purity. She gave it up, gave it away. It was nice that they had a little book instead of like Robin's traumatic story, which you haven't gotten to see yet. Oh, we'll get there. You'll applaud them for this approach versus what Robin comes at them with. So what made me uncomfortable in this scene was that Kelly smiles through pain with an unsettling lack of sanity (laughs) in her eyes. There's just this thousand yard stare and the tear just like streaming down and just blank smile. She's like the Joker. She's like Harley Quinn (laughs) in a padded cell. She cannot process her feelings. It's pretty clear. She's afraid of them and does not know the source of them, the origin of them, and fights to resist them with every opportunity. Now, all of a sudden, the doc turns into you've got mail and Kelly is messaging a guy named Ross who she met at a party. She gives Ron and Betty, 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 (laughs) Betty White. Those are Brandon's parents' names on 90 Day Fiance. (laughs) Correction, Ron and Dawn. (laughs) She gives them a heads up. Although, might as well have been Betty. She could have come in here. Yeah. And she's got a confession for them. She's met this friend and she can't stop thinking about him. I found it very disturbing how similar that was to how Lydia brought up that boy that she was entrusted in to Mama Plath. Don't worry, Mom. It's cool. He's homeschooled. (laughs) He gets it. Don't worry. And they met at a party. What do you think that party looked like? Oh, I don't think it was a party. I think it was a church function that she's calling a party. She's calling it a party. There was a bullet punch, so it was a party. Legally, we have to call it a sock hop (laughs) because Robin busted out the phonograph again. (laughs) Queen 16 and never been kissed. So Ron's going to screen him. This is great news. This is the first step in the courtship process. Yeah, I guess Ron's ready to risk some heartache. He's going to invite him over. (laughs) Okay. We have to talk about this first meeting. Ross shows up to the house. He's actually come to visit and he's brought his brother along with him. It is awkward from the moment they walk in the door. So he voices something because, yeah, Ross rolls up with his chaperone, his brother, his younger brother. Because, again, he's into this courtship lifestyle. He gets it. He's down with this. But they start off, as soon as they walk through the door, with excuses about how they were, sorry, they were late, and they hit some traffic. Where are you hitting traffic? (laughs) I don't know. In Grand Rapids, Michigan? (laughs) It's also really weird because Ron suddenly turns into, like, he thinks he's this macho dude or something, and he's, like, he's giving them... Both of the boys, he's piercing through their souls with his eyes. He's mean mugging them from across the room at every opportunity. He's judging with those little rat teeth. <laughs> he's bearing those teeth. <laughs> <laughs> Establishing dominance. <laughs> yeah, making eye contact for way too long. He's clearly making them very nervous because at one point, Ross compliments their meat 
I mean, how can you not? It's very good meat. You got to do it. <laughs> yeah, there's just a lot of pensive sounds over eating meat at this table for dinner. Mmm. 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 We had a little backstory about why Ron and Dawn have taken this approach. Turns out their relationship was built on pure physical attraction. Is that what it was? Is that what you call that? I thought it was just they were young and horny and they knew they had to get married before they could fuck. (laughs) So that's what they did. That's the truth of it. After three years, they got a little tired of each other. They went through an emotional divorce. Oh, we know that story. (laughs) Mary. And they ultimately found their way back to each other, I'm sure through God. And now they are making sure their daughters don't face the same fate and that they pick their spouses wisely. Okay, so Ron's biggest complaint was that he and Dawn didn't know each other well enough when they got married. Correct. And he wants his daughters to avoid that scenario by dating their boyfriends for his daughters so they don't actually directly get to know this person? Yeah, you're following the logic. Because how does this, (laughs) how does a courtship setup prevent you from not knowing somebody? Because I think it does prevent you from knowing someone. Remember, they gave us the version of the story that they deemed appropriate for the world to know, but it's really just, they took the horniness out of the equation. That's a shame. (laughs) That's where you really learn about you and the other person. So I had to write down this next title card word for word so I would get it right. When not working as a snowplow dispatcher, Ron manages a website devoted to courtship. I was trying to take notes and read the title card, which I am notoriously bad at. And until you stopped it so that you could take the exact verbiage down, I thought that it said that Ron sold <laughs> that Ron sold snowplows and I was very confused. I wasn't surprised he was a salesman. I got that vibe. He's not a salesman. He's a snowplow <laughs> dispatcher. My confusion is... Well, I know is, that now. Well, well, that's not a salesman. <laughs> I'm just confused. What does he do the other eight months out of the year when it's not snowing? He runs this website. Right. Manages a website devoted to courtship. It's called beforethekiss.com. And Kelly actually came up with the name, but we're not giving her any of the cuts from the money that we get. I just checked. It does not work any longer so that is an expired domain that's unfortunate but we do know what kind of content what important topics were addressed on before the kiss.com things like how to prepare for marriage is your daughter a good cook can she clean homeschooling bible studying do you have all the necessary skills to become a wife do you and by the way now that that domain name is free somebody can buy it And then you could just make a list of all the bands you need to listen to before you get into Kiss. And that'd be great. I think that'd be a better use for that domain space. How has someone not bought this yet? Oh, I'd buy the shit out of this. You know how much traffic you would get just from people watching a courtship and trying to figure out what it is? Oh, that would be something to do. If I had some free time, that's what I'd be doing with it. If I was a snowplow dispatcher and I had eight months out of the year where I... (laughs) Where I wasn't doing anything because the weather did not allow me to have a job, then yeah, I would build an entire mock website. <laughs> I'm just going to float this idea out there 
Satanists, you're missing a real opportunity to co-op this website. That's what I'm getting at. (laughs) Please step in. All right. So we've got some big news because Ross, he's called back even after that first visit to the house. It's a miracle. (laughs) And they get really sketchy. Ron and Dawn, they got to go talk to each other. It seems like they're going outside. We're like, do you guys know you're still mic'd? Like, that's how much it seems like they're trying to make this a private conversation. And then they enter the garage. They open the minivan. They close the door. The cameraman is in the front seat. And now they have the conversation about what's going on with Ross. It was like a scene from Goodfellas. It's like, turn on the shower. Are you wearing a wire? (laughs) Like... (laughs) It was so over the top. Yeah, it was It was a little much. It was like they were in Tony Soprano's basement or something. Right. And uh, it turns out Ross wants to see Kelly again, but he asked if they could keep it a secret from her. I think she's going to find out. Sooner or later, eventually. Because yes, the day finally comes. It's their first date and the whole gang is here. I don't know why I expected it just to be Kelly and Ross. Not only is the whole family there, they are in coordinating outfits. They're wearing teal and white, all of them. It's for the photo shoot later. (laughs) This seems like it was a church function or something. I'm not really sure. It's church. Yeah. It was. Well, it turns out to be a dance recital. Yeah. It's like a. But. A performance piece. I know. my, My understanding is that these things can sometimes be the same thing. Well, if you open it with a prayer from a pastor. I'd say it's a church thing. I'd count that as a church thing. (laughs) But it was their first date, and they did shake hands. Yes. So that was a big step. And then they watched the recital flanked by the sweaty bodies of Ron and Dawn. They had to be on each side of them to make sure no inappropriate contact, conversation. I'm going to cut those pheromones back (laughs) with some middle age sweat and desperation. So we know you guys were really pulling here for Kelly and Ross. Things seem to be going well, but there's a problem. Dawn is concerned that Kelly might not be worthy of him because of the fact that he has saved his first kiss and we know she threw hers away and that might be a deal breaker for him. Right. Dawn knows there's an attraction here. She knows there's chemistry. Everybody can see it. She's not stupid. But yes, there is the main concern of Kelly's worth. Because Ross is Josie Grossy, and he's never been kissed. (laughs) How petty do you have to be to think this person may be my partner in life? She was perfect, except for the fact that she threw her first kiss away. This is purity culture at its worst. I I, got to know. I got to know what she was doing those first two years of college. I got to (laughs) know. There's no way to know. Oh, now we get to see Kelly visit her family. Yes, this is her biological family. So we finally hear the backstory. We find out that when she went to college, she really fell apart. She lost her security blanket of her family. And then her parents got divorced and she was lost. And pretty much, yeah, everybody said Kelly didn't know how to deal with that. And I think Kelly still doesn't know how to deal with that. (laughs) Yes, I think Kelly has experienced some trauma because she's not able to process her feelings very well. And she reverted back to a childlike state 
and is living with these people in this crazy scenario because it is an easy way for her to avoid life because it's too difficult for her. And Kelly's mom, she gets it. She understands this reasoning. She's like, I can see why she was drawn to this for that feeling of security and safety. And it's a, it's just reverting back to those teen years where that's when things were stable in her life. So why wouldn't she want to go back to that? It makes sense. But her mom's like, no, it's weird, though. <laughs> she's really trying to talk her out of this and doesn't understand why she's doing this. I love how much her mom and stepfather read her. They know exactly what's going on here. And I was like, thank God, finally, the first sane people we've met in this doc. Yeah. They were like, why? Why are you doing this? You are old enough to make your own decisions. Why are you sending a grown man who you're referring to as your spiritual father to go on dates for you to learn things and protect you when it's things that you could learn on your own dates by going out to coffee and talking to someone? Also, what if this is just a big waste of your time? We'll circle back to that later. Yeah, put a pin in that. (laughs) What made me uncomfortable in this scene was when Kelly defends sending Ron on dates to get to know these guys because the guys are going to be joining Ron's family. What? Right. That was a lot to take in. The Manson family? Which family? (laughs) Whose family? She really thinks that these are her parents now. So I thought that was a little odd to kind of commit to that ownership level there. While she's away, Ron has been taking advantage of this time. He is going to break the news to Ross that Kelly is tainted. Damaged goods. She did not save her first kiss. Ross plays this off. He's trying to be cool about it. He's like, well, I would prefer it if she were pure, but I understand God's grace. So I'll forgive her. That's okay. If she's given the kiss away, let's not end the courtship yet. Ross is a saint. He doesn't mind a girl with a little experience. (laughs) Teach him a thing or two, you know. Ah, this is so gross. He's into that. And it turns out Ron is really liking Ross. He is smelling cheese at the end of this maze. (laughs) Kelly's back home. Ross is over at the house. And we get a scene of him playing the saxophone. It's a beautiful scene. You're mesmerized. He is a very talented saxophone player. So talented that you almost miss Something horrifying that Kelly says. Yeah, how can I be expected to listen to anything that Kelly is saying? Well, we got that sexy beast rocking so hard on the sax. (laughs) So as he's playing the background, you hear, when he's my husband, I'm giving up my right to have my own rights. Yeah, Kelly's looking for that traditional, biblical, God-assigned husband and wife role setup of marriage. Some of that Old Testament shit. Like, what? You are going to give up your rights? The man is the leader and the woman is the child bearer. Okay, Kelly, let's see how that works out for you. And did you like this part too, where it was kind of, you're getting a two for one here? This is why Ron really likes Ross, because Ross brought his younger brother and now Ron's daughter is getting to know Ross's brother and they're hitting it off because this is good news since... You'd be surprised to hear this, but the courtship dating pool is pretty much slim pickings. And this just further proves that. Yeah, so slim that we're cool with the fact that Ross's brother is 18 and Savannah is 13. But they may have a future together. You don't know. Give it five or six years, see what happens. 
five or six years. Let it percolate. Yeah. It's just the amount of time that Kelly's been living here. <laughs> You're right. By. They don't have too, uh, too great of a track record. It'll definitely take some time. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Now, back at the beginning of this courtship, Ron had asked Kelly to cool it on any of the stalking. Don't look into this guy too much. Turns out Dawn has been doing that for her. She is busy trolling Facebook, looking at every one of Ross's posts. And she is unhappy because she sees one that Ross has recently written following a passing, an unexpected passing of a very good friend. Yeah, like most relationships now, this one's going to end on Facebook. Because, yes, Ross had a friend who died who was shot by his brother, quote unquote, accidentally. Again, we don't have time to get into the details of this. You're just going to throw that out there, say it was accidentally shot in the chest. I don't know how that happens, but okay. It was a horrible accident. And Don and Kelly aren't very happy with some of Ross's beliefs that he has put in this very, very long Facebook status. He mentions that it must be God's will that his friend died and met such a fate. Oh, and Ross is also a fan of Drake because he's chalking it up to God's plan. (laughs) God's plan. They are going to break up with him over a sentence because he's a broken person, according to Dawn. And wouldn't it be terrible to be under his authority? I mean, is that something that you can submit to? Are you comfortable with that? I hated every part of this. Um, also I thought it was pretty shitty that they are ripping someone apart for something they wrote in a moment of shock and disbelief at the death of one of their good friends and grief, trying to figure out all the thoughts and feelings you have and why something like this could possibly happen. And, uh, they are showing him no grace. That's for sure. But Kelly does reach out via Facebook messenger, the modern day Cupid, (laughs) and they have a nice theological chat like you tend to do on Facebook. It was so proper, too. (laughs) It was like reading Civil War love letters. Yes, it was weird. It was very strange. I was like, well, no wonder we're not making much progress in getting to know each other. Formatting? It was was clean. They did good there. But yeah, we basically leave off the conversation where they're disagreeing back and forth on the theological standpoints here. And Ross is ready to just say, we don't share in this belief. We agree to disagree. We're going to agree basically. to disagree. Dawn and Ron, however, take it as 
we do not share this belief. He is a broken person. We do not need to associate with him anymore. Because that's what Jesus would do. The bad dude. Shun. We must shun. Now, as I predicted, Ross ends up ghosting Kelly after that conversation. And she doesn't pick up on the hint when he stops answering her messages. And I'm sorry. This is the point where Kelly, in that conversation with Ron and Dawn, after the theological debate that took place on Facebook, this is where she, as an adult person, should realize they're never going to let me leave. Nobody is going to Oh, nobody's going to be good enough for Dawn and Ron. They are looking for someone, and they will only allow you to marry or pursue to marry someone with identical beliefs on everything. And that's impossible. Again, it's an impossible scenario. So to not have that realization at that point is kind of scary because then this is where I suspect the whole system is set up for this courtship to basically just end up with Kelly desperate in her late 40s, early 50s, and Ron basically says, well, why not Ron? And proposes to her. And then you end up on seeking sister wife. And then it gets weirder somehow. Like Garrick, one day God speaks to you and tells you, it's time to take a second wife. It's time to tap that Brazilian ass. <laughs> Ross ends up sending a very long rambling email about how he can't come to visit them twice in two weeks. It's too long of a drive. He's got a lot of things going on. With the gas and the tolls and four to five hours each way. And I was like, where are you coming from? It's also like, Ross, play it cool. All you have to do is just say, it's not working out for me this week and I can't, I can't make it. I can't make it. You don't need to send a seven paragraph long email trying to explain why you can't come. He wasn't trying to convince her. <laughs> no, I know. He was trying to convince Ron. He was trying to convince Ron. He doesn't want to break Ron's heart. He has to be very careful. (laughs) And you know he had to BCC Ron on that email. (laughs) Now Kelly is on to them. She's starting to lose her goddamn mind at this point. She's starting to think, maybe everyone's lying to me. Maybe Ross is still coming and it's a surprise. Maybe that's a fake email. She goes full anxiety brain on this. (laughs) And they cut it perfectly too because she's just rambling through all of her different scenarios that are just absolutely ridiculous and nowhere based in reality. Ross finally makes it back to town. He meets up with Ron because I guess Ron must have replied to the email. (laughs) I'm going to say, I'm going to wager a bet that Ross did not make his way back to town. They met halfway, halfway somewhere (laughs) because Ron is driving (laughs) to meet Ross and they meet at a diner On the side of the interstate. Yeah, Ron did not take no for an answer. (laughs) So, yeah, Ron needed to speak to this. He needed closure. (laughs) So Ron is praying on his way to meet up with Ross. And what made me most uncomfortable about this scene was how Ron is still so on about these awesome hugs that Ross gives. Oh, my God. So he hugs him and he's like, where did you learn to hug? And Ross is kind of like all right, is this going to turn into like, is he trying to confront me? What, what's going on here? Well, I can't say my dad because that would be gay. He's like, because you give the best hugs. It's like, oh, okay. Okay. Then my mom, my mom did. This just amps up how nervous Ross is. It's, it's so much worse. The hug thing set him off. Ron, he just can't get over these hugs. He can't quit these hugs. <laughs> and 
he's got to break some bad news. Basically, he's seen some real differences and he doesn't want to move forward with the courtship. Ross is breaking up with Ron. Ron's not taking it well. He's starting to push for more details. He wants to know what's wrong. What is wrong with us? What is wrong with me? And this just slowly devolves into the saddest episode of Christians in Cars getting coffee. (laughs) (laughs) Basically, there are theological differences, and I don't think that we can walk in parallel in a marriage, which Ron attempts to then talk him out of it. But Ross says, no, my decision is made. Oh, Ron was trying to save this, but this is very clearly over. It's it's not me and it's not you either. I don't know who it is, actually. I was pretty proud that Ross stuck to his guns here and didn't allow Ron to guilt him into continuing a relationship with Kelly. Because, yeah, that would be a weird shotgun wedding if nobody's pregnant. <laughs> now, on the ride home, Ron cannot wait to call Dawn. He dials up the phone. And he is talking shit about how there are theological differences that are like a big deal or something. And that must be like important to him. It's a deal killer. That's what he kept saying. It's so important to him, these theological differences. It was like he was mocking him. And I'm like, uh, can we roll back the footage of Dawn flipping her shit about the Facebook message and telling Kelly that this is the kind of guy whose authority you could be under? These are some real theological differences. How do you feel about that? Can you submit to that on a daily basis? But Ross was the one who ended it. So now they're upset. Right. Yeah. It is kind of weird because it's like your whole family got broken up with. It is very strange. (laughs) And Kelly can't deal with this because why did we spend so much time together then? What was this all for? That's called getting to know one another. (laughs) That's called dating. That's kind of a requirement. Before marriage. And so, again, if your whole reasoning for the courtship was to not have your heart broken and to not feel those feelings, you just felt those feelings. So how is the courtship working to your favor now? They had one bad experience and Dawn says to Kelly, I don't know, maybe you'll never get married, which is exactly what you want to hear after someone's broken up with you. Just realize we'll keep you as long as it takes you to find a man, but also realize you may never find a husband. You can't find him if you already got him. Ron's sitting right here. (laughs) Things are okay, though, because thankfully Kelly didn't kiss Ross. So she doesn't have to worry about that awkwardness of running into him and having to think that she did that with him. So she's successfully protected her heart. I guarantee you this would be more awkward than any ex-relationship bump-in scenario that you can ever think of. If these two people saw each other. I think this is significantly more awkward because you're casually dating someone, right? Not in this courtship scenario. There's an expectation that you may decide that you just simply don't like each other and you break up. You were dating for fun, perhaps, just to get to know what you like, what you don't like. Just to go get some coffee. Just just so someone will take you out for a meal you didn't have to pay for. You know, that kind of thing. The courtship, you're Not dating, right? But you're entering a relationship with the expectation up front that you may marry each other. I think that's significantly more awkward when you break up. Yes, because then that was the whole reason. Like, why are we doing this? What was the time spent here? Because, yes, that's what you were building towards was a proposal. And now all's lost. And now it's gone. So could a man want me just to get to know me and want to keep me? 
Kelly's already found all that in the Lord. Yeah, it ended on just as bad a note as it started. Everything that she could never find in any man. (laughs) Any man she's dated, her dad. She didn't say Ron, but I think we could probably assume. I don't know. Ron might have what she's looking for. I don't know. And that's the end of the doc. Turns out it's been 10 years since Kelly moved in at the end of the documentary. Oh, yes, yes. I forgot there was a, a title card at the end. With no end in sight. It was 10 years at that time. No additional suitors have been pursued as of the conclusion of the documentary. (laughs) There are some real live updates, though, that we were able to fish around and find. I did a little Facebook stalking because, of course, basically the entire family lives their life on Facebook and doesn't believe in privacy settings. So it was very easy to obtain this information. You can go on to Ron's Facebook and read all of his statuses, because they're all public, mostly statuses touting about how he doesn't live his life on Facebook. (laughs) Yeah, that's how a lot of them start, and then they're 20 paragraphs long. And you can go read all of them, because he posted all of them on Facebook, because he does live his life on Facebook. Ron has been living this journey of downsizing for Jesus. That's what he's been working towards After the documentary, left Michigan, moved to South Carolina. They've been living there for quite some time. Of course, Kelly came along with them. Why wouldn't she? She didn't have a husband. Didn't have a husband, so she's still under the protection of her loving parents. And they kind of tapped that Michigan market, that whole Midwest (laughs) area. So we got to go East Coast. Let's go South Carolina. (laughs) Try something new. So they lived there for quite some time. But now Ron is ready to downsize for Jesus. They sold their home only a few months ago. After 17 years, a chapter has closed. Kelly moved out. Wow. That is what this post says. It says 17 years ago, Kelly moved in with us. She has been part of our family ever since. We have laughed, we have cried, and we have walked through this life together. That's a lot of time to waste with a weirdo pseudo- Secondary family. Yes, because in case you didn't already guess, Kelly is still not married. She's pushing 40. She is 40. Kelly is 40, unmarried, and now she is living for the first time in 17 years on her own without this family because Ron, Dawn, and the girls have all moved to, it appears to be Florida. They have some type of um, Jesus on wheels situation. Essentially, they pitch tents and conduct some type of preaching core. <laughs> no, please. Circus. Oh, circus. <laughs> sideshow. Yes, there's a, a Jesus sideshow that they have going on. It's like a Jesus food truck. Yeah. You should really go to the page, though, and check it out because you get to see the progression where it started with little camping tents and then they had to attach more little camping tents. And now they have like a professional big top, big top. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Not really, though. So I'm glad this journey worked out for Kelly. I don't. Yeah, it's very hard for me to pin down my emotional state on where Kelly is in her life. And I'm not one to judge, obviously. (laughs) Clearly. (laughs) Of course I'm going to judge, but I can't pin it down. I don't know where I stand with her. Because, man, this is weird to, like, regress to teenage 
era level stuff. She's just going to be like a weird Sunday school teacher lady for her whole life. I think that's why she didn't go on the circus with them. It's because she has to teach her dance classes and you've got to be stationary to do that. You can't have a tent for dancing? No, but you've got to have a class. She's got the same girls who come to class every week. She can't move from place to place. You think she's making enough on that venture? No, I don't. I don't think it's anything to leave your family over. I think you had plenty of other good reasons and better reasons to leave (laughs) these people far before they took up their Jesus circus endeavor. I hope we get Kelly on something like the single life. We get to see her date a little bit. Yeah, that'd be weird. I don't think I'd be able to watch that. Breaking Amish, something similar. It'd be very cringe. Breaking courtship. Oh, that'd be fun. (laughs) But she's the only person who's ever been in the courtship program. The website doesn't exist anymore. Until Church of Satan. I don't know. I'm just saying. (laughs) Throwing it out there. Check it out. And that's our recap of a courtship. We hated it. What did you expect? Yeah, go figure. It made me feel yucky. There was yucky energy, as Robin would say. We'll be back next time with what appears to be a recap of Extreme Sisters. So we're really changing the mood here. It's still crazy family dynamic. It's true. Hopefully a little more lighthearted. Pretty consistent. (laughs) Thank you for listening. If you want to support us, the best way to do that is by subscribing to the podcast and leaving a review on Apple Podcast. You can tweet with us about the episode at surviving underscore pod. Stay tuned. Share with friends. See you next time. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.